Welcome to Everyday Elephants, a podcast where we talk about the big things in the room, or what's trending on the internet or heard inside the walls of the church. Today, Ted, Phil, and I will be discussing purity culture. Welcome to Everyday Elephants. So we've been building topics, we've been building ideas, and one thing that's come across all of our screens lately is this idea of purity culture. In Christianity across the U.S. right now, there's a big thing of deconstruction, exvangelical, and people are looking and saying, well, what did my faith mean? And purity culture is this idea that as a Christian, you need to remain sexually pure, and it becomes a cornerstone of faith, of relationship, and of holiness. And as we've looked at it, I've actually had friends lately who have talked about it. I listened to a book talking about Christianity in America that discussed it a lot. And as we come together, we know even right now, as we prepped for this episode, there's one thing missing in this episode. And that's the voices of women who have experienced the detriments of purity culture. So let's call this purity culture part one. We'll come back to it again down the road when we can bring some guests on, some friends, maybe our wives, to talk about how this has affected them. But right now, we want to talk about purity culture. How did you experience it? What do you think about it? How do we engage with it in our current culture? So let's just start off and say, really, purity culture, kind of, as I looked at it, as as you know, living through it, it really, high school seems to be the age that it hits. So High school on, have you guys experienced this as, as you researched it, as you looked it up? You know, have you seen it at work? I'm going to be honest. When we brought up this topic, I didn't realize that it was a big deal. And I'll blame myself for that, just not being able to listen well or see what's out there. But I didn't realize like how it truly has affected other people. I was actually kind of fascinated just seeing some of the research. I'm sure, I have some stories, but... Uh, I've learned a lot so far. And I also realized, like, even though this may not be an elephant in the room for me, it's still a topic that could come up with other people. And so when that topic does come up, I still want to be able to lean into that, talk about that, listen, ask questions, and hopefully we get somewhere in the conversation. So what about you, Tanner? Yeah, I. it's hard not to, when you read stories, and I think that's the big thing that we're talking about today, is a lot of this has come out of people's experiences inside the church, and then how the things that were taught, whether that was like in youth group or from the pulpits or from mentors, just how that has impacted their story and life inside of high school, but then I think a lot of it is like life outside of high school, like how that's impacted relationships in marriage and then their relationship with the church in general. But when I was in when I was in high school, uh, as we as we were talking about, all right, let's talk about purity culture, I was thinking back and I remember one instance, we went to something called Rock the Universe, which is this big like Christian concert down in uh, Orlando at like Universal Studios. It was awesome. I got to see Reliant K play. And uh, there's a story about that, but I'll tell you guys another time. Uh, but then there was this like, there was this big group of, uh, of girls all gathered. And so my buddy and I, we were like, well, let's go see what that's talking about. Because we were in high school. And it was, it was like a true love weights thing. And they were handing out rings to everybody. And, uh, and that was like my first experience with it. And I was like, oh, there's this something here. But these people were like selling t-shirts, selling rings. They had all this bunch, all these books and merch. And 
it was just like, wait, are are you a band? And then we're like, no, we're not a band. We're just spreading the awareness of of you know what it means to be pure. And that was my introduction to it. And then I had a lot of follow up questions um, that I'm not sure I ever asked. Let's let's get this question out there. Did you guys have purity rings? No, not a jewelry guy, Ted. I mean, it was given to me, but I was like, this is dumb. And, and it's just because I don't wear rings. And I, I love the concept, but just never wore it. My my parents gave me one. And I, I wore it for a long time. I don't I didn't go around advertising it. Like, you know, here's my purity ring. And they gave me one. And it was it was interesting to me because so my mom, uh, biology was her background. That was what she went through college for. She was going to be a high school biology teacher. Life took her a different direction. But let me tell you, people unafraid to give the sex talk, my mom. I mean, we're talking, I remember we had a book when we were real little that's like, here's the differences between boys and girls. Like, she was unafraid to give that talk. So I never, like, people talked about, oh, my parents gave me the talk. I'm like, they waited until you were in middle school? Like, and so for me, the engagement with purity culture was interesting because Phil, like like you said, part of part of our discussion here, as and as the three of us said, maybe this is something we should talk about. I, I, very similar vein for me. I think I I knew of it. I, I knew of the idea, but I don't know if it affected me as deeply as it did others. And part of that, I think, is how my parents handled it. Um, part of that is I think I was oblivious and that big oblivious part I think is because I am a man, a Christian man. Like it was not as, uh, I think in my experience, the detrimental effects were not as great for me. Like there were, you know, I, I read the books. My dad gave me every young man's battle. Uh, we all talked about, we all read wild at heart. You know, some of these kind of tomes. We we all did discover none of us read I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and we all decided we much preferred I, you know, Kiss Dating Hello. And, now, that's, um, that was difficult because I was the only one who decided that, and no one else decided that with me, so it was just me by myself. Right, right. Same, same. <laughs> I I desperately wanted to kiss dating hello. And, oh, I did too. Uh, lots of girls decided no, they had kissed dating goodbye. <laughs> I, I also didn't. I didn't wear. I didn't wear a purity ring, not because well, I don't like jewelry, but also I was like, I don't think. I think everybody knows. I think everybody knows about that. I think <laughs> he's no, nah, that guy. No, nah, I think he's all right. Like he's fine. Yeah. As I've talked with my wife and some close friends, like purity culture really has been fairly detrimental to a lot of women who grew up in the church. And like I said, and Phil, you mentioned earlier, which I think is probably a little bit of the theme for our first go around with this topic is we, we just kind of got to be unaware. And in a lot of ways, that was the problem with purity culture. You know, as, as men, uh, you know, young men growing up in the church, I got a lot of talks that I felt like were very healthy my dad, my mom never broached sex and that kind of thing as like, you know, this weird, like God wants you to be pure. It was much more about like, Hey, God's created you in a certain way. And he's built this thing 
being sex for a certain purpose. I wonder if it's a little bit different for you because it was you had the opportunity for your parents to teach you. And I think for some, for a lot of people out there, it was right. parents would send their children to youth group or to church so that they could learn about these things, summer camp stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so it's like these people, these outside sources who didn't sit around the kitchen table with them and know who they were or like... Uh, they, I'm sure they very much cared about the youth of the child or the student, but not in the way that a parent will for their own child, right? And so the conversation changes a little bit different, right. and it, it can become, I don't know, maybe like more legalistic, or they're maybe they censor themselves a little too much, or or they're trying to when you're trying to shotgun yeah, a whole yeah. a whole crowd instead of you know talking to yeah, a or they're trying to sell a book. Yeah, they, they have 45 minutes to give you the why this is important. And they also do a really bad job of, uh, um, you know, they just said, you know, heterosexual marriage. And they don't even, like, talk about other wh- where there's other sexual preference. Now, that's a whole different topic right there, right? But I know that it has affected people who identify sexually with a, a different preference. And basically... They just said, we're not going to talk about this is bad, bad, bad. And there's just not a lot of education going on there because of the short, limited time that they have to talk about why this matters. Or they give the simple illustration of you don't want to be able to dirty this particular cloth. Or there's a candy thing that I heard. Like there's, you don't want to pass oh, around your candy. Like weird. it's just rose. really yeah. weird stuff. You know the rose one? The rose, yeah. Matt Chandler does a whole Jesus, thing. But Jesus wants the rose. But at the same time, like, even though maybe the content is not that great or deep, it was probably an icebreaker to be mm-hmm. able to talk about that. But my, my question is this, though. What if we didn't have purity culture? Where would we be? That's a good question. Is there still some good outcomes that we've seen from that? Because in some essence, I needed to be able to hear that. And disclosure, you know, after true love weights going through all those programs and and everything i still became sexually active and i wish that i i didn't went that area in my life like that is something where i had a sense of shame that i walked into that and i and for for me i didn't feel worthy enough as a leader to be able to speak into a lot of different topics because like like Mm -hmm. i i failed in that area and and quite honestly like although it seemed great at the time like this is awesome for me like i wish that i never went that area so i was actually thankful that i had that that people spoke into me and reminded me of that so again but my question is where would we be without it? i think i think you've got a good point there phil to say because i've what i've seen in discussions around this topic is people want to take and say then purity is wrong, right? Purity culture has then made the idea of saying, you know, all of that then is wrong. The problem that purity culture does is it takes and says, this is of God and a gospel-based idea, but it makes it a works righteousness thing, right? Like purity culture as a topic, as an idea, says you must be sexually pure and then it adds on this caveat of like and god will only love you if right and that's the danger is is we talked about all these little you know the candy bar the rose and as we talk about that if you, if you don't know what that is the idea was back in the day a speaker would come in and they would hand around a rose and they'd be like all right i want everyone to touch this rose and then they'd talk about something else for five minutes and every kid in the youth group would touch the rose and 
by the time the rose got back to them, it was all tattered up. And they would say something along the lines of, now who wants this rose? The idea being this fear-mongering, no one will want you if you're like this. Because it's, and as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, it is so much easier to go that route to try and create behavioral change. The problem is, what the gospel tells us, what the Bible tells us is, no one is righteous, and Jesus comes to be the righteousness we cannot mm -hmm. be. Now, if, if we come at this idea from a purity culture standpoint, which is, you must do these things to be loved, mm -hmm. that is detrimental that is, I'd go as far as satanic. Like, that is a lie of the enemy. But if we come at it from an angle that says, listen, Scripture's God-breathed. This is what Scripture says. Now, here's what we believe, which is even in our redemption, God is calling us to something, that he created us in a certain way. And the question isn't about, can you obtain purity? Instead, it's saying, can you trust that God's way is better? And I think, Phil, what you're getting on is to say, like, hey, we can't we can't throw that out. It's it's not that, you know, purity culture bad, so let's, you know, let's throw an orgy, right? Like, no, Just it's to saying, clarify, we should not throw an orgy. Just yeah. to clarify. Good call. Good call on that. Good call. Just want to clarify that before we move any further. Correct. Right, write that down, Tanner. But that's I think that's that's Phil, I think you asked the right question. Is it's it doesn't negate the idea; it negates the mm -hmm. action. Do you think the Christian Church would be in a better place if True Love Waits and all these different programs that came out there, Purity Rings, never even existed? Well, I'll let Ted talk a lot about this, but because I think this is going to kind of lead into that, because uh, you wrote a book on discipleship, so this is pretty well your. But I do think uh, instead of these forty-five minute conversation like these blanket statement conversations of this is what this is what it looks like to be pure right or sexually pure whatever it is it, it was just that and it wasn't someone coming alongside of them and having these conversations and saying well what does this look like for you or what does this mean for you and hey let me explain to you like purity culture does a great job of making it all about us and really not about god and purity culture doesn't do a great job of talking about grace and grace is often well delivered in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody who's had to walk through hard things before right and to be able to clearly communicate that you're loved you know there is there's is freedom for you in where you're at right now um so i think that's i but i'll but i'll also say this before before ted jumps in is uh and i, and I still wonder if i believe this i do think that these conversations did do some good in the church however we don't hear a lot of those conversations and a lot of those stories. I think that's a good point. And I think it's also, I really wish we can just see what the actual content was like being delivered because it's, it's such a long time ago. I find it hard to believe that they didn't talk about grace at all. Like, Hey, if you have been in this lifestyle, like it's, it's okay. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, and maybe they didn't even like uh, like really touching that point to the teenager that was sexually active, like, hey, you can still move forward and be pure. I, I thought that was the case. Well, I think a hard a hard part is the three of us talk about it is not only are we 
you know, we've talked about being men discussing it. White suburban men. But also, you know, we all grew up Lutheran. We weren't part of kind of that mainstream. We might have been a little bit in it. We might have been in it for a moment. But as I've read, as I've listened to some things, I realized, oh, I wasn't as deep in some of the more Baptist evangelical worlds of purity culture. And I think, Phil, to, to your question, I think Tanner hit the nail on the head, is it is a discipleship issue. It's not something that we should only speak about up front and not be having discussions about with people who are walking with us through ups and downs. And it also starts getting into gender roles a lot, which the church has latched onto really deeply in the last 50 years, which we can have a whole nother discussion about that. But and, and I would actually change the question to be like, well, if it wasn't there, would it have been better? And I would say, well, it was. Like, we can't change if it was or not. I understand the premise of your question. But also, it, it puts into play saying, well, in my opinion, we're, well, theologically, we know we're not advancing towards a utopia. And that's the two sides of the coin could be like, hey, let's have this pure Christian utopia where we're all sexually pure and virgins until we get married and you know, those kinds of things. Or, you know, it's a free-for-all, grace for everyone, you know, let's go at it. And the the middle road, the tension we live in, is it's neither of those things. We understand the world is not getting better, it won't get better, but we still live in such a way that we want to heal as much as we can around us. And I think, Phil, you're, you're right in in terms of saying we can't simply say purity is bad. And that purity culture didn't bring some good with it. The problem I see a lot of is the difference of what it was for men and women. And to say, you know, from, and again, this is discussions with women I know, um, is basically told women, you need to be sexually pure. You need to, you know, cover up. You need to do all these things. Oh, and then you get married and you basically need to be Aphrodite in the bed, right? And for men, it was kind of like, hey, you're just waiting till you get married and then let loose. And there, there were, as we, we talked about before we started, there were some good things in that for men of saying, like, I, I need someone to tell me I'm dumb. Like, one of the greatest moments in, like, my life being in, like, therapy and counseling was one day I was throwing myself a pity party about I had been rear-ended. And... My counselor goes, do you think you're special? Like 3,000 people got rear-ended on the same day you did. You're healthy. You're doing well. Like, And I realized in that moment, that's what I needed. And that's why every day, Phil and I call Ted and we say, Ted, do you think you're special? <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Ted. And then he just he goes on with it. And to go back it to it, like I, I totally agree. It's It has to be a discipleship process. And... I would hope that when this thing was first pushed out, that this 45 minutes was really the primer. And I think that there's supposed to be follow-up with the youth directors. Now, to say that that's going to be executed properly, where there's further conversations, discipling conversations, it obviously didn't happen. And after listening to a lot of different stories, basically some of these youth groups would have these host these things post-events 
they'd pull the women aside and have conversations with them and then the men would go play dodge it just was not helpful or well, probably wasn't executed well and i think and women suffered mostly through the this. problem too is that i think you're putting a great spin on things i i think that didn't happen in a lot of places i think somewhere in the 90s into now like the church got like oh we don't talk about sex at all so now let's only talk about sex if you you know if you boot up any young adult ministry on youtube they're talking all they're talking about is dating and relationships now i understand i'm separated from that i've been married for 11 years i can't knock that that's not something young people and young christians want to hear about but that's in my opinion that's not the purpose of church church can help you understand that we can help give you some biblical ideas but the point of the gospel is the point of being in church is to say listen we're going to fill you up with the gospel because we know you're going to be out the rest of the week we know the rest of your week is easy i think when we talk about purity culture i think a couple of things come up it's when we say the word purity we're really just talking about like sexual purity like there's so much more to that conversation and i think kind of going back to what phil what you were saying earlier about people who might have made choices or things that happened to them prior to all this or to you know realizing what they were doing or how that was going to impact each other in the future whatever but like with what we're talking about like it's you can't we can't discount people's stories 100 percent, right and we can't discount like victims of abuse right like because there's a lot of there's a lot of abuse that either like sexually went into this or uh like mentally or ways that that, that impacted their relationship with their family with others with god like you know, so it's it's hard to well, and when the church on one hand is pushing purity culture, and on the other hand is hiding sexual abuse, mm-hmm. like that's I mean, it's killing it's killing who we are on the side of mm-hmm. our country. Yeah, so. and it doesn't. First of all, it's not a good look for the church and hurting an individual like that, making it's them feel guilty, Jesus, yeah, or something that they had really no control over. I mean, that's that was a lot of the stories that I kind of came across when we were saying, hey, let's talk about purity cultures. Yeah. Well, this this happened to me, and you know it was after one of these events. Something happened to me, and it's 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 heartbreaking. And it makes sense why we're having this conversation, right? It, like I totally get that. I don't want to discount anything. You know, there has been a lot of damage that has happened to individuals, and that's that's known yeah. now, and we're hearing those things more and more. And um, question is like, what what is what is that going to look like for generations to come? How do we want to handle that? Um, and I think that's why we're, we're talking about this. And Phil, I think, I think your question was so good in the discussion of saying, okay, what's the, tr- what's the truth here? Like, wh- what are those things we say? We, we don't, what we don't want is for people to experience. If like God said, this is how it created. Like we don't want that experience of shame and guilt. Um, and you know, also, we don't, especially the three of us, as we've talked about, like we don't want our eyes closed to people suffering around us. And for this to kind of be popping on our radar lately, you know, I think for me at least, that was a blind spot. Like that's something I I didn't see. And I'm learning a lot about asking questions of my friends to say, hey, did this affect you? And changing my ministry to try and be better. I was gonna say this earlier. Anytime you put something under the microscope, we're going to see a lot of things that were wrong with it, right? And I think that's kind of where a lot of these kind of conversations come out of. And then 
when voices uh, sometimes for for the good, like sometimes like, you know, journalistic voices that come out of this or when people begin to share their stories. And then other times there are people who are just like, well, I have a really loud voice and I'm just going to I'm just going to crap on all the stuff that's been happening and been going on over the last, you know, years or whatever. But like the, the church is going to get get things wrong and people are going to get things wrong. And I, I just keep coming back to like, you know, banking on grace. But when you said that to somebody who's been hurt or abused or affected by this, it's just, it, nothing, I don't think nothing seems to help. And it's just like, you know, you hear these stories and it's like, come Lord Jesus. Like, that's it. I think, Tanner, that's a really, really good point. And what we have to remember is when abuse comes with it, when we see what's happening, it is to say we don't ignore justice. We don't ignore the fact that when people with spiritual authority use it to abuse and destroy people that we don't seek justice. Like I've, I've been very frustrated lately to read stories where people have excused leaders and people of authority. And this is like the, you know, the, the tail end of the evil side of purity culture, like abuse and those kinds of things. They go, well, but have you seen what they've done for the gospel? And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Like, yeah, the Lord's going to do what he's going to do when the word goes out. But we as his people don't, we don't excuse that. We say, listen, yeah, of course the Lord can redeem them. But they they have to pay consequences for what's happened. And we shouldn't let them around the people they abuse. We shouldn't force their abusers to go and forgive them. Like, that's trash. And, and of course, this is wrong. Like, there are leaders that have been excused for the horrific things that they have done to other people. Just got off a text message thread of a friend whose their friend got abused by another pastor. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, this stuff, like, continues to happen. It's disgusting. Okay, so then what about this then? What about the person who is struggling with purity culture that has been hurt by it, but really wants to place the blame solely on purity culture? How do we respond to that? It's easy for us to be able to say that was wrong and that messed us up. But at the same time, like I also need to take some ownership too of my actions. I need to be able to say, hey, like there was some good in that. I need to own up to the decisions that I've made because I did make mistakes along the way. And maybe it wasn't best what was given to me. I, I need to personally reflect on that. And I think that's kind of like my struggle so far as I'm learning about this topic, which I'm very new to it. So all those haters out there that might be hearing me say that, they're like, oh, come on, dude, you shouldn't be saying that. But How like, dare you? That, that's that's the thoughts that go in my head, you know, and, and you know what I'm trying to wrestle with right now. Yeah, that's a lot. Right. Because then that but then you're dealing with individuals in what happened to them and what choices they made think a lot of it then is like well I don't I'm not going to say anything to a lot of people kind of because based on what our conversation has been is we need to have a kind of a one-on-one or a small little small group little family gathering conversation with what what happened with someone I think and I think kind of with your question uh, one of my thoughts is like yes you've been hurt by the church but like you're still loved by God and so then what does that what does that relationship look like and where are you at there because I know there's a lot of people who don't want to walk through the foot of, through through the through the front door of a church anymore, and for a lot of a lot of pretty valid reasons. But I hate to I hate to throw the hobby lobby sign at you, but like everybody has a story, right? 
And so everyone's story is going to kind of add up a little bit different, and their reasoning's going to be this, or it's, it's going to be that. I don't know. It's a good. It's it's a good. It's a good thing to bring up, though, Phil. Well, and and Phil, what what you're what you're saying is, and knowing you and who you are, I think you're coming from places too where you've you've invested time with people, you've connected, and they say those kinds of things, but you've already built relationship. What the church is bad at is we we want to make happy meals. We don't want to make smoked meats, right? We want to hand everyone a, you know, quick and ready, there it is, there's your answer. We don't want to sit around a fire for 14 hours, you know, to make a brisket. Can I just stop you right there? That was probably the most profound thing I've ever heard you say. Like, that is gospel, mm-hmm. Listen, write it down. But but that's... that's <laughs> Ted's, Ted's next book, From Happy Meals... When, when you record the podcast around lunch, like, but, but that's part of it is like, I think that's part of the issue we've experienced is saying, we want to hand everyone the same thing and be like, there you go. As opposed to saying like, man, I, I want to sit down with you and I might not have the answer for you today. I'll tell you what, one of the coolest blessings I had this week was I went out, we have a guy at church who has 100 acres out in the Texas Hill Country. He's been inviting me for years to go out. And I finally had a Wednesday, and I was like, hey, you know what, I'm going to go out. So I drove out there, and he just drove me around his property, and we just talked. And I realized, like, this is this is one of the things I love, is just hearing people's, like Tanner said, hearing stories. I think part of, part of the downfall of purity culture is it's the discussion of sex is a very personal one. An absent relationship, even just in the discussion, it's very hard. It's very tough. And I think f- for even when the truth is clear cut, it's so much, it's, it's you know, my calls to love my neighbor, not force them to, to like, like it may take a month, a year, 10 years. But the point is I love my neighbor, not that I, you know, do that. And I, I honestly, I look back at some of the stuff in my life around this topic and I go, there are things I have to apologize for, things I, I did the wrong way. And I think that's the other part of this. When, Phil, you talk about, well, some good things came out of us. I agree. I think the church has to constantly, though, be looking and apologizing to say, hey, we wanted to do a good thing. And we got too caught up in it, and we let it become something it shouldn't have been. Like, the church should should not be, like, hiring PR firms to defend itself. It should be constantly walking out and going, some things we do right and some things we do wrong. And we'll be the first people to apologize and say, wow, like, mess that up. And the things that we did right, we didn't really do. Yeah, right? So. <laughs> There's so. some theology. Well, and that's, I think, I think... Something I was going to bring up a little bit earlier is when Ted, you mentioned how how each of us have gotten to be on the stage in the past and and, and talk to people about certain things, and all of us have gotten to like lead youth group and stuff. There are some nights where I stay up because I wonder, and I think about the things that I've said that I maybe not wouldn't say now. Yeah, you know, like when I was in college, I helped lead a Bible study or like a book study on Wild at Heart. And at the time, I thought it was really good. But when you read some of these blog posts, they say, you know, that that was one of those books that caused a lot of pain for people. And then so was I then causing pain for a lot of people. And I feel like now at 
at 32, I'm just now beginning, and I'll probably gonna say this when I'm like 35 if I make it there, right? But at 32, like I'm just now realizing and coming into my own as to really what I think and believe and know. And the older I get, I mean, the more I realize I do not know. But like, was was it the best idea to have a 24-year-old single guy talking to a youth group about dating and, pu- and purity and it wasn't and it it should have been I should have made the decision or if I knew how to make a decision at 24 to bring in somebody who I trusted and believe that they could deliver something that held grace and held truth and held law all together and offered it so I I, I, I don't want to make this about church leaders but we've all made our mistakes we've all caused pain and and that's unfortunate you know the thing is like now i'm recounting the one time i took the youth group when i was a an intern at a church 22 years old to a true love weights thing and i'm talking about like all the things that the youth leader should have probably done afterwards as i'm thinking about that i probably did all the wrong things and it's not just that you know other t- moments we've talked about and just like okay yeah, there, there's a lot that I can learn from this and uh, take away. And, and again, just to put that out there, like I know that everyone's story is going to be a bunch different. And then there's been things that people that been affected by purity culture that it wasn't even their fault whatsoever that resulted from purity culture that affected different men and women. And so um, it's important to be able to acknowledge that, know that, and to also know I made a lot of incredible mistakes as well. I think that's a good takeaway and a good reminder, Tanner. Yeah. My my last thought on this, well, I have like 12 more thoughts before we kind of close this out. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of to recap, we didn't talk about a lot of the things that we probably should have talked about. And I think one of those things that, you know, with us being people who have the Internet, you get on there and people are like, well, people didn't say this. They didn't say this. They didn't give me much attention to that. We know. We know we didn't talk about how this impacts marriage. We know we didn't talk about like the education of teens and maybe what we could do differently in the future. We know we didn't talk about, you know, we didn't have the voice of women on here, which is a big problem. But like Ted said at the beginning, part one, hopefully we will do this again. If just just count that as our stupidity that we didn't realize it until 10 minutes before when we couldn't just call someone up and be like, hey, you want to be on a podcast about something that's probably done some real detrimental mental harm to yeah. you? I hope that, yeah, no big deal. I hope this podcast didn't do more damage. I, I hope not. Um, but my, my last question, I thought about this earlier, right? So purity culture or, or, you know, we keep calling it, you know, basically true love weights, true love dates, whatever. But is there something right now like what purity culture was back in the 90s and early 2000s is there something like right now that we aren't seeing that we'll look back on in 15, 10, 15, 20 years and be like, well, we were doing this all wrong. Something that will come back to, to bite us in the end. And I, I have an idea. I think if you were to ask me that question, which you're not, but I'm asking myself, I think a lot of that would have to do with, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of that would have to do with like social media, right? And who people are following and, um, the knowledge that they are absorbing from people they don't have a relationship with. It's just this person has a lot of people who follow them. I should follow them too. Oh, they told me I should buy this product. I should read this book and I should do this and this. And that kind of...
I think we're going to look back, and it's it's the very old lie that keeps popping up, and it's just going to be we're going to keep seeing that we're inventing new ways to to earn our salvation. I think that was the problem with purity culture. I think it's the problem of whatever's coming next. I see it right now in Christianity in America. I see it personally in my own life that it is it is mind-blowing how hard it is for us to accept that salvation is a free gift. And when we start believing the lie that it's not, we start filling that hole with whatever is going to make us pure, make us righteous. And so I think social media is a big one. I think um, trying to force morality on people is a big one. But I, th- I think it, it'll be... But, but the point is, we look back and we say, how do we change? How do we grow? We're not trying to build utopia. We're trying to heal what we can while we're here. I think that's important. And so how do we be We're, we're declaring that, saying that. We're, we're going to have to continue to learn what that and might apologizers. be. And Tanner, so, you said we didn't address a lot of the apologists. issues, which that is correct. We didn't talk about a lot of things that need to be talked about for purity culture. But I think what I appreciated so far is we are talking about it. And we're getting to a place to better understand. I learned some things today. That was helpful. Um, and I'm going to be more aware. And uh, there's probably some people, some former youth group kids that I need to call who like, I am so sorry. <laughs> so I think it starts there too. Yeah. So um, this has been helpful. I'm just going to start, I'm going to start scheduling out Facebook posts and tweets that say just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which is just probably a good idea in general. Um, well, I think that's what this podcast is all about is we're not answering all the questions but we're bringing up and we're looking at the elephant in the room so with that thank you for joining us for this episode of everyday elephants make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast leave a five-star review we don't hate five stars we don't you can share it with a friend and if you have an elephant in the room that you'd like for us to discuss send us a message and we'd love to talk about it until next time i'm tanner i'm phil i'm ted this was our everyday elephant